One of the most significant events on the wool industry calendar is the Nanjing Wool Market Conference, the 34th conference that was held recently in China, with plenty of discussion about the state of the global wool trade from both the supply and demand situation, as well as the macro state of various economies across the globe, with interest rates and exchange rates always discussed. There was, as you would expect, some good and some concerning news which we'll explore. So in this episode, we hear from this crucial meeting of wool industry heavyweights. Welcome to The Yarn. It's a podcast for the wool industry. I'm Marius Cumming. So the Australian Wool Innovation Trade Analyst Scott Carmody has been at the forefront of the wool trade for many years and has long held connections across the global industry. He says... The relationship between the Chinese processes and the Australian wool industry is very open and honest. And this year, some very straightforward feedback was given to the Australian industry. Uh, AWI is represented on a, a, a group there called the um, China-Australia Joint Work Group for Wool. Um, that was a very frank, open discussion. They're usually a little bit guarded um, on both sides. The Australians are very guarded in what we say and the Chinese are very guarded in what they say. But you know, a little bit concerning was, was, was the... Uh, the yeah, there's a whole raft of complaints about quality, about how our wool clips are being prepared at the moment. Um, the the complaints, you know, include you know, a lot of things that are out of a wool grower's hands. There are logistic problems, you know, wet wool, underweight bales, um, those sort of things. But there was, you know, a lot of preparation issues. You know, um, dags, stains, unscarable colour through, you know, traditionally good skirting lines, or or, or you know, what's a traditional good skirting line. Um, Superfine wools now, they're, they're getting, you know, eight and a half micron and final deliveries, you know, containing medulated fibre, which is quite bizarre, but, you know, that's obviously, you know, down the legs there, our, our sheep maybe are producing that straighter, wider fibre down there, and that's what they're showing up. Indicative CVDs, the coefficient of diameters, they're, they're coming up quite often above 20% of our superfine wools, so they're a little bit concerned or a lot concerned about that. Uh, the length variation through lots, through farm lots, they're, 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 they're getting larger and, and growing in variation, so they're, they're noticing that. So mixture of lengths is a problem. Um, simple things like nylon pack contamination, so either through the coring line or, or pack waste or even back on farm, you know, with, you know, there might be a little bit of nylon left in the bottom of a pack during the pack manufacture. We, we're just trying to work that out at the moment of where that, um, where, where that problem's arising. And another concern they raise is, you know, the use of old wool packs. I mean, we're, we're moving now into a um, RFID wool pack into the future. AWEX approved uh, RFID packs, and they're available at the moment. But, you know, um, being so much stock of old wool packs at the moment through the uh, retail pipeline, that that's sort of shifted to January, February next year uh, for, for the implementation of, of those uh, RFID wool packs, which will enable, you know, better handling and... and um, logistics handling of whales through the entire system both here and and when it gets packed on board and overseas. Those examples, I mean, there, there are uh, date stamps on a lot of these wool packs and, and they've had examples over in China of wool getting delivered in 2008 year stamped uh, wool packs, which, which they're not too happy about. Um, and a lot of the wool is you know, obviously old. That's what they're complaining about. You know, they're, they're used to the last you know, 15 years getting... Um, yeah, nice fresh shorn wool, but they're uh, obviously with people passing wool in the through the through the late teens and the early two thousands. You know, unknown pricing and you know good good other income, so they didn't need to sell wool. So 
they're finding just an excessive amount of cops in there all just due to you know obviously all being pressed over the last um, three to five or and in some cases much longer periods of time so that's that's um, a little bit disappointing to them but the main main issue to them is outside the growers control is their their processing uh, micron in their top which is uh, which is blowing out normally you know you process a batch of all you know 50 tons or whatever you're putting together you, you normally expect around 0.1 to 0.2 of a micron blowout so if you buy 903 you know you expect to get the nine and a half all fine uh, now they're getting up to you know 0.5 0.6 of a micron broader and the industry has been asked by the Chinese to look at that. Um, on the Australian side, you know, we we did have some concerns about, you know, letters of credits from our exporters not getting opened in a timely manner. Um, it's increasingly um, getting slower and slower, and that, that hampers the market here locally. As you can imagine, you know, you're sitting on each container worth, you know, in the merino sector, 100, 150 grand. Uh, for for a container wool, and that gets held up for a, a week or two longer, it impacts on the exporters ability to act, act normally at auction, and that also you know, can act as a a bit of a damper on the market if, if exporters are falling short. But um, now it's good, Frank, open a discussion on that area of the um, the, the Nanjing Wool Market Conference this year, um, and that work will be continued to be monitored by the the parties that represent Australia on that group. It's, I suppose, refreshing to hear that there is such a frank exchange of issues between the Australian industry and the Chinese processing industry. Oh, yeah, absolutely, Marius. I mean, the, the Chinese describe to us that the, you know we're we're a symbiotic relationship. You know, the growers need the the process, and the process needs growers, and they're very aware of it. And in fact, some of the some of the users over there and some of the traders, you know, declare it as a marriage, a good one. You know, that they're relying upon each other just to get through. So we're married to each other in order for us to all forge forward in the wool game. Um, but I've, I've found that, you know, quite the case, you know, for many years now that you know, the relationship is um, is open. But the frankness of the discussions this year surprised us somewhat and they were, you know, very forthright in their... Um, their well, it's not a purge, but it's it's a uh, they're striving for better quality, and um, our markets at the moment, and our um, uh, let's say clip is probably getting a little bit um, underprepared, if you like, underprepared or a little bit sloppy. Even I assume a lot of it would come out of the um, crossbred area, where you know, do you prepare a clip at one to two dollars? Um, a kilo, you know, when the excessive, you know, costs, you know, it doesn't um, uh, come into play when you only get paid a dollar a kilo for your for your wool. At the end of the end of the end of the um, situation, where you, you sell at auction and you get such lousy prices, but hopefully with those broader wools proving that 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 can be easily averted, and you know, the correct classing and the preparation of wools can can get back to what you know the world expects. You know, and that's that's world class white wool coming out of Australia. Oh well, look, there's so many things folding in from that isn't there i mean there's the fact that um we're simply not getting paid enough for wool to to put on that extra uh person very hard to get good shed staff over the last few years so yeah. i mean there's so okay. many things there's so many factors into that yeah but uh, you know been in the industry for as long as i have i've you know, some very, very, you know, top of the tree wool growers say, well, the first thing you can guarantee you won't get the best, best price if you don't prepare it right in the first place. So as soon as it leaves on far, off, off farm, 
if you haven't prepared it right, you're guaranteed you're not going to get the best possible price. So, you know, to ensure you do get the best possible price, you have to put the best preparation in the award clip. Scott, what did the uh, processes and what did the trade have to say about trading conditions into the future? We've heard that that there's been um, quite a, a, a long period post-COVID of recovery in China and um, there's still a bit of a guts ache there. Is that still the situation? Um, yeah, there's a little bit of blockage still at the yarn, but I mean, at the yarn stage, the greasy and tops and that, that there's obviously, you know, normality in, in stock in that area, but it's it's nothing excessive. It's, it's not retarding the market at all at this stage. You know, the, the more economic, global economic factors are at play here, so the, the, you know, the increasing uncertainty of our international trade environment is key. It's, it's just inhibiting that little bit of confidence that required. Yeah, particularly with side, you know, supply chains out of Europe and the US and you know, all these end users, you know, they're looking to near shore or you know, short the chain, supply chain, and, and sort of get manufacturing back to their close to their base. So that's, that's hindering you know, our, our large market in China. I mean, the logistics costs around the world, you know, they're high. Interest rates are high. You know, the Forex, you know, as we know, the Australian dollar's weak as, you know, I've possibly seen it in, in recent years, you know, against, you know, particularly the US. Um, the Chinese get the same thing with their Chinese yuan against the US. Um, their interest rates, okay, they've got a little bit of a, an advantage over us. They're running at 3.4% now and we're at 4.1%. But, you know, the strengthening economy is, is the United States. And they're running at a ruling cash rate over there at the moment, eight and a half. So it, it, it's sort of not making a lot of sense in regard to access to money building economy. Um, states have you know, probably the best built economy over the last 18 months and you know, they've got the highest interest rate around the world at the moment. So those sort of things don't sort of add up in mind and I think that comes down to that uncertainty of what's going on in the world, you know, particularly when they're buying a raw material to make a product to sell later on. You know, and that's that's a key factor. You know, are you going to go and buy a new suit? Are you going to go buy a new jumper? These are the questions you know, that, the, that, that remain unanswered and they're the key questions as a wool, you know, as a wool using or supplying nation to, to China we have to make those decisions back here. That, you know, what do we think? And I think the world is going to get better. Um, that's the general impression out of China as well. It won't be in the next couple of months, that's for sure. But the um, the transformation that's under, undergoing in, the, in their markets over there, you know, they've, they've, they've factored in these rising costs of raw materials and production. They can handle that. But the, the industrial upgrades that's needed is, is you know, at the cost of, you know, against the soft overseas demand. So we're, we're looking at a situation where they need to see something at the end before they can flow down the chain to us and, and we can get paid more for our wool out of Australia. And a lot of that determines on the domestic consumer market in China. That downturn there that's been experienced over the last, well, particularly since April this year, you know, they were doing quite well up until April and they just hit the brick wall. The, the recovery out of COVID, and as we all know, China remained in COVID lockdowns for a year longer than most of the world. That, that uh, market downturn uh, in the consumer market needs to be reversed before we can see some some strong changes to the environment and you know, that will flow globally out of China, in my opinion. You know, existing pressures around um, environmental issues, energy consumption, carbon emissions and all, these are questions that are, you know, they're facing as well as us over here in Australia. Some, some very positive signs, though, were, you know, wasn't all gloom and doom. Yeah, there was some positive coming up. There's um, retailers in China are reporting that they're going to place orders in the market during 
October, November. Um, uh, the price, the, the the cheaper goods that they can now make, you know, they're, they're they're selling online much more these days, which makes those products are even cheaper again. You know, access is cheaper for the Chinese consumer. So those domestic consumers, you know, they can they're now exposed or, or able to be exposed at the price points of a perceived luxury product that wool wool is. You know, wool is perceived as a luxury product in China. And now at that affordable level, you know, we can open up that consumer basis on the domestic market in China. Um, but this this you know global push towards the, the natural natural um, fibres, that can only help wool. And the more we move away from our petroleum products, the better for wool, um, as, as other raw materials, uh, natural raw materials will find. Um, the positive messaging is, is coming out from retailers that the, they have bigger orders and they have new products and they're readying those orders for market. So, yeah, there are some positives there. Um, the Chinese, you know, concentrating on them again, being out of the Nanjing Wool Conference, uh, their interest rates are going reverse what ours are. They're actually providing stimulus from their government by reduction of interest rates, uh, opening up that access to money that we talked about. And they're all expecting a little bit of government support, you know, um, adding a little bit of stimulus to the manufacturing sector and particularly textiles. The Chinese government, you know, has a, has a, has a um, long-standing love of textiles. You know, China has is, is got a, you know, thousands of years history in textiles so so they're very keen on on seeing you know china remain dominant in that sector but you know basically over the next 10 years marius they're all looking forward to you know better technologies helping them out you know innovations in product and and a, and a you know a real consumption of a natural fiber which will is and you know most of these people are family-owned business as they are in australia so the Chinese manufacturers are looking forward. There, a lot of investment. One company's invested 300 million. Another company's invested 180 million. Those plants, they the, they will be up and running by this time next year. So, I mean, they're looking forward, not backwards. Um, but obviously, they've got to face the same challenges that we're all are just just in the global economy at the moment. And that's that's the big trigger. It's not a unique wool problem at the moment. But um, hopefully we can all, you know, in, in all sectors, meat, lamb, wool, we can all get out of this, you know, sooner rather than later. You mentioned there the central government in China providing sort of financial stimulus to a degree. In the past, we've seen them stimulate their domestic economy through placing large orders to um, reuniform, whether it be the police force or the railway workers or um, something like that. Has there been any suggestion of large government orders stimulating the, uh, the the Chinese textile industry? There's, there's, yeah. Well, there's rumours always about this. Now people are waiting for these sort of um, orders. Three months ago, there was a, a twelve million meter, um, which is quite a large order. You know, that's that's you know a big order, and it was put to the marketplace um, for, for for uniforms. And unfortunately, you know, they're normally an eighty percent. Wool, 20% polyester blend. Unfortunately, this time it was a 50-50 blend. So that equates to only 6 million metres of that 12 million contract being of wool. So it's not specifically wool they're supporting. It's the textile industry that they support, and that includes all wool products that these textile users are making. Um, There will be a a few more upcoming as we get closer to the, um, the Christmas period. Um, it's the Northern 
Northern Hemisphere uh, winter we're going into at the moment, so that will determine a lot of what happens in, in the very short term. Um, people will be squeezed for inventory as, you know, hopefully the sales are better than what has been anticipated with the local buying at the moment and the, you know, the global business conditions improve or hopefully improve. And these negative and um, uh, imbalances will hopefully alleviate over the next couple of weeks to months and then we can see that imp- that wool price improving. Last time we spoke, Scott, you are sort of basically on tour with the AWI CEO, John Roberts, through Asia. Uh, you were talking about sort of the first tier of wool processors in China gearing up um, uh, their capacity and some of the second and third or smaller tier processors not doing so. Has that sort of flowed through? Was that spoken about in Nanjing? Uh, it wasn't really spoken about. I don't think it's a, a you know a popular topic over there. How the big guys keep get bigger and the small guys are getting squeezed. Or well, it's actually not the small guys. It's actually that middle middle rung of you know companies. So you you basically in China you've got a twenty million kilo production factory. Then you've got a lot around the six or seven million. Then you've got a lot of the smaller guys that you know the two to four million kilo mark. The six to seven to eight million kilo guys—they're they're the ones getting squeezed out. Yeah, that's the factories that are in, in risk and they're being swallowed up, or or just going going out and finding something else to do. Now, during COVID, one mill in particular went and started making uh, masks and things like that for the the COVID outbreak. They they haven't returned to wool, so those sort of export um, orders that they receive for masks—they um, used to export you know wool product. Now, but that is obviously getting soaked up by these bigger companies, and I, I don't quite know how to get a good read on it at the moment. But the, um, the the good thing is that there's six or seven of these big guys. There's six or seven mills now that have got the capacity of 12 million kilos or more. Now, if there's one or two, you'd start to worry. But by having so much diverse interest or investment in machinery over there, if they've invested in those machinery and they're continuing to do so at you know large levels, you know, it's good. They need wool. So they're going to need wool now and they're going to need wool into the future. And we're just, you know, hoping like hell that, you know, the, the global economy improves to such a level that we can get back to sort of a decent price for a lot of this stuff. Yeah, you know, particularly on the on the broader wool, as we've discussed. I mean, we've seen some, you know, percentage-wise, you know, they're great improvements. You know, your 30 micron wools over since July have improved 35 to 40%. I mean, that's a high percentage, but it's coming off nothing. So, you know... You're talking now 28 microns, you know, getting to upwards of 20 to 25% better value than they were in July. And they've only just gone through the 400 cent clean mark. So, yeah, it's great percentage increases, but um, in reality, you know, the 400 clean is equal to about $2.80 in, in the greasy price that a grower receives. So, long way to go, but it's heading in the right direction in that area. There's a, um, I'd, I'd, hate to yeah, think so, the, I'd hate to think of the number of triple AFX or AAA MX bales in sheds uh, in storage yeah. around the place. So that, that's pretty interesting. All right, well, what I'm hearing here, Scott, is that, look, um, the, 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 the global economic situation and the domestic situation in China, uh, there, there are some genuine concerns there with exchange rates and, and the sort of level of confidence but the underlying fundamentals for the wool trade are are remaining strong um, the trust and the business between the chinese uh, wool textile um, industry and the australian wool production industry is still very very strong 
and there are better days ahead and there is some light at the end of the tunnel, but perhaps not for a number of months. Is that a fair summary? Oh, I think you've pretty well summed up, Maris. I wouldn't be getting too excited. I mean, if we can... I mean, the price at the moment, I believe, is not disastrous. It's good. It's an income. It's, it's a it's a bill payer. Um, a lot of other industries, as we spoke about, that it's not even paying the bills. You actually, it's a loss-making enterprise. So I think at the moment with wool, with um, you know, your merino fleece is at $50, $60, as I said earlier. I think I think we're still making money at those levels. Um, the harvesting issues, the local issues here are all getting sorted, hopefully somewhere back to normal and, you know, those sort of things will, will buy, you know, competition and demand will, will sort themselves out. But the, um, the, the crucial thing is that, you know, we're, we're still receiving an income for wool. All right. Well, Scott, um, as usual, your insight is, is incredibly well received. Your insights are, are brilliant and always spot on. Thank you very much for, for joining us on The Yarn. Once again, keep up the great work. Thanks. We'll try our best. Thanks, Mario. Back from the Nanjing Wool Market Conference, Australian Wool Innovation Trade Analyst Scott Carmody. So, hope you enjoyed that. And as you'd expect, you can keep up to date with all events and news following AWI on Facebook, Instagram, and X, as it is now known. But from me, Marius Cumming, thanks for having a yarn with us.